are listening to the Island Christian Church of Holbrook podcast. This message is the first part of the series called Emmanuel, God with us. Today's message, given on December 17th, 2017, is titled God with us. Last weekend, we decided it was time to do that annual tradition of getting our Christmas tree. How many of you have your trees already? Okay, some of you still got to go out and get it. Um, We decided we would try something new. Um, Ann says, you know, Costco has Christmas trees this year. And I'm like, "Mm, Costco. And now I don't know what you think of with Costco. I I like Costco. Do you like Costco? Yeah. No? Okay, but most of you do. Uh, but, but what is Costco kind of known for? You know, you go into Costco to get, you know, a can of fruit this big, and you get 20 cans this big, right? You know, I think there was a Seinfeld episode with Beefarino in that about that, you know? Just go online if you want to see that one. We're not going to talk about Seinfeld this morning. But we decided we're going to go get a tree. And so, you know, we go inside, and we see the tree, and it looks good. And we're like, okay, but where are they? And, of course, you have to pick up a voucher. You pay for it. And then you go out around back by the tire section, and uh, they have the trees uh, in a truck. And I'm like, okay, we can't really see what this looks like, you know, because they're already wrapped up and everything. I was kind of expecting you to get a chance. I was like, well, we already paid for it, so we might as well do this. So we, you know, I I look at the trees, and they're all, just like Costco, they're all really big. And um, our ceiling is not that big, at least in that part of the house. And so I'm talking to the guy. I go, can you give me a smaller one? He goes, I think they're all like eight and a half feet. You know, I said, all right, well, hey, we can cut it down, you know. So, uh, you know, we went home with it. And, you know, of course, we cut it down and then a little bit. And then we had to cut it again because it was just too big. And then we put it in the tree stand. And uh, we're tightening up the tree stand. And it's all looking good. And then, of course, you know, every time you get a tree, what do you want to do? You want to find the good side right? And then there's the one side that isn't so good. And you're like, all right, we'll turn that and put that up against the wall so no one will see it. And so we're about to do that. And uh, so we're on the floor. And I guess I'm not being a real good signal caller because I, all right, let's pick it up and turn it. So as we turn it, then all of a sudden we hear crack. And we're like, you know, so I thought we were all going to lift together, but I wasn't clear in my instructions. And so we ended up breaking the tree stand. (laughs) And I'm like, Okay, so now Ann says, oh, well, we, we probably could just put like a plastic bag in there, maybe a contractor bag to catch the water. I go, no, no, no. The last thing I want is a Christmas flood, you know? That, we, we just don't want that this year. So, uh, so Ann went out, and she went to, I guess, Home Depot and got a tree stand, and we're like, okay, this is great. So, you know, we moved the tree out of the one stand into the other one, and this one not only has four uh, fastening points, but it has five. It's a really good stand, or so we thought. And so we're tightening it up, and we're like, you know, hey, how's the tree? You know, and also we hear pop, and we're like, that's weird. And then pop, pop. Well, we broke a second tree stand with this tree. And I'm like, oh, now what are we going to do? And now it's later in the day and everything. So we say, all right, let's just do the garbage bag thing in the original tree stand, and, you know, we'll just, you know, make do with that, you know. Um, and so, guys, don't make do with things that usually, have you ever made do and it works out well for you? Not usually, you know, this usually isn't going somewhere good. So, so we, we put the thing in and everything's all good. But then later on in the uh, evening, Anne looks and the tree 
is like the leaning tower. And we're like, oh no, she's going over. So I'm like, what are we going to do? So I just got some uh, twine and then I tied it to the tree. And then we went and we tied it around the leg in the base of the dining room table. So it got the tree up enough and the tree survived the night. And then the next day, um, uh, we got a really good, I think this stand is good enough for a 10 foot tree. So, uh, you know, but listen, there's, as I was thinking about this, it makes sense because the foundation of something determines how well it can contain the thing that is built upon that, right? It is so important that we get our foundation correct because, you know, you could put like a little Charlie Brown tree, you know, even that tree, that's not a Charlie Brown tree, but that could fit in a kind of a basic stand. But if you end up with these big honking trees like that, you have to get the big honking stand to hold it up because, you know, it just doesn't work. And I thought about that and I said, you know, this time when we get to Christmas time, a lot of times we've heard, I mean, look, I think there's no one in here that hasn't heard the Christmas stories, right? Many, some of you have heard them many, many times. And yet, they, what we're going to talk about today is such a foundational truth that if we get that foundation right, I think it is going to allow us to be able to have the bigger faith that maybe we haven't had in the past. You know, maybe in the past we got tested in certain ways and, you know, hopefully we held up. And, but, you know, I think if we have to be honest, there are rougher times ahead. You know, things are not getting better in the world. And I don't know what God is going to cause each one of us to go through in our personal lives. But I think it's so important that we get that foundation, that tree stand, we get the right one in there so that we are prepared and ready for what comes our way. Would you agree with me with that? Okay, so... What we're going to talk about today is, you know, it, we're, we're going to talk about a key thing in the Christmas story. And bigger faith does require a bigger foundation. This season, how many of you have heard somebody say, or maybe you've seen it on a TV show, it's all over the place, I need a Christmas miracle, right? You hear that, you know, there are always those cheesy shows where all of a sudden somebody falls in love and they're like, oh, if we don't get married by Christmas, it's not going to happen, you know, I... I <sighs> Whatever, we, you know, there's so many things like that on. And yet, listen, we're going to talk about the greatest Christmas miracle of all. And so would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. And I'm going to read part of the Christmas story. And yet, as I prayed, you know, just understand this. When we're familiar with something, we can easily tune it out and miss the significance of it. So I would ask you to really, you know, focus in, you know, read along with me. Let me read this, and then we're going to unpack it. So we're going to start reading in Matthew 1, starting at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. May God bless this reading of the scripture. How many would you say that Joseph needed a bigger tree stand when he got that news? That's like, I mean, you know, that's like, whoa. That's amazing. And yet, he was honorable. He honored what was told him. And, you know, it it just went against the grain of many things, you know. I mean, this is a guy who was a Jewish person. And, you know, for somebody to say, uh, you know, you know, your wife is going to have a, a son and, you know, you haven't had relations with her, you know, he's like, how's this going to be? And when they say, this is God with us, I mean, a good Jewish person wouldn't even write the name God, you know? They would, Yahweh, you know? They would leave out some of the letters in it. And even Jews who speak English today do G apostrophe D, right? They just don't even say it. And then how could, you know, how could God come and be born in a son? So, but we're given the clue in verse 21 in what the angel said. We're given a clue as to what the purpose of Jesus is. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And, you know, we always talk about the gospel here. We've said that people have a sin problem, okay? We all have a sin problem. We have all separated ourselves from a holy God because of our active and passive and sins of omission and sins of commission. And, you know, we're just sinful people. And yet God had a solution to the problem, and it does not lie within us. It lied with him sending Jesus. And, of course, that requires a response on our part. Okay? Take a look at verse uh, 22, okay, 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We're calling this message God with us because I want us to really understand the ramifications of each one of those three words. And in fact, This is a quote from about 700 years earlier through the prophet Isaiah, okay? Virgin birth means that Jesus came into the world having a human mother who bore him, but not a human father who had begotten him. Joseph was Jesus' father only according to the law, but he had no part in Jesus' conception. Jesus was conceived, and we're told right there in the passage we read, by who? By the Holy Spirit, okay? And so the key verse that we're going to look at today is verse 23, okay? 
they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this message, we're going to look at each one of those words a little bit. We're going to look mostly at God, and then we're going to look at with, and then lastly, we're going to look at us. And one way you can remember this, and this is the way I would like you to think of it, God with us is the true miracle of Christmas. God with us is the miracle of Christmas, okay? Now, um, uh, keep your finger in Matthew 1, but turn with me for a little bit to John chapter 1. I want to read um, a couple of verses in John 1, uh, but one in particular, verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Okay, the word that we're talking about is, you know, it's a capital W, you know, it's not lowercase. This is talking about Jesus. Okay, because back at the beginning of the chapter, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Okay, so it's talking about Jesus, but if you're reading sequentially, you wouldn't quite get that until you got to verse 14. And so when it says the Word became flesh, the term that we use to describe that is called the incarnation. Okay, now how many of you like meat? What's another word for meat? Carne, right? Okay, so incarnation means coming in the flesh. Okay, it means that the eternal Son of God became flesh. That is, he assumed an additional nature, namely a human nature. You see, Jesus existed from eternity past as the second member of the Trinity, God the Son. But he did not take on human nature until the miracle of the Christmas conception and birth took place. Um, One theologian says it this way. He says, remaining what he was, he also became what he was not. You see, he was fully divine. Jesus was always fully divine, God the Son, but he also became what he was not. He became fully human too. Now, that is so important because the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus would not mean a thing to us if it wasn't for the the death of Jesus. And the death of Jesus wouldn't mean anything to us if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus was both fully God and fully human. That is necessary preconditions in order so that you and I could be reconciled with a holy God and we could be forgiven and then saved from the penalty of our sins. Okay, so what we're going to do is I want to try to clear up some misconceptions that have existed in history about um, the incarnation, okay? Because, you know, look, this is something, it's really hard to wrap our heads around it in a sense. It, it, It doesn't make sense, but, you know, it's a miracle. Sometimes miracles can't be explained but miracles indicate something wonderful that happened. So how the first thing I want to talk about is how did God send Jesus to earth? Well, of course, we, we know this story here, but some people have kind of brought up some objections through the years. And so we want to look at some of these objections. 
One objection that people have said, they say, oh, well, this thing about, you know, um, you know, God being born and all that, you know, that that's just a story that came from mythology. You know, people will say that. And yet the myths, if you look at the time, remember this verse that we spoke here quoted from the prophet Isaiah. And uh, in fact, in Isaiah 714, you might want to just write that down, look it up later. This is what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This was written before 681 BC. And this happened long before the myths that the people were referring to were propagated. Okay, so this predates it. This is a prediction. This is unbelievable. It is unprecedented. I mean, you know, people like a virgin conceive? How's that possible? And bear a son. You know, this is a true miracle. The second thing that people will say, well, they'll say, well, you know what? Man didn't really become a god. You know, they'll say, you know, it just didn't happen. And well, let's look back to the original lie of the serpent in the garden. Okay, what was the serpent? You know, what did he say? He says, if you eat the, tr- the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become like God. And that is a myth that continues today in the cults and in the new age, that we can become like gods. Okay? That's a myth. That's something that doesn't happen. Okay? The second person of the Trinity, Jesus, existed before the incarnation. In fact, while you're in John, let's go back and let's just look at verse 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Do you realize Jesus was present in creation? He existed before there was anything that we could see or touch. Okay, so he existed. It wasn't like all of a sudden, bang, Jesus popped into existence at the birth. No, he existed, but that was his divine nature that existed. And then in the incarnation, that's when he got the full human nature at well. And and listen, this is a miracle. This truly is a miracle. The same way that when we trust in Jesus and we become born again when we have new birth, that is also a miracle. And quite frankly, it has to be received by, by faith. It has to be received by faith. Because, you know, can I explain how I could be born again? I mean, you know, look, I've studied this a lot, and but still there's stuff that I have to take and you have to take by faith. And that's where you say, you know what? I'm going to trust in Jesus. And if he doesn't save me, nobody else will. That's what faith is, where you say, I'm going to stop trusting in me and in my understanding and in what I can do. Yes, reliable people have seen this. This is a fact of history. This is not some made-up cockamamie thing, but it still requires faith on our part. Okay, the second thing that some people have a misconception about is they'll say, well, was Jesus really fully God? I mean, you know, people love Jesus. Most people do. 
But you know what? They're divided over whether he's divine. You ever get those two people who come knocking on your door? You know, anyone have any visitors this year? The Jehovah's Witnesses? Yeah, Ron, I figured they, they, they just know they come your way, you know, <laughs> and you know what to tell them too. But listen, they will never, they say that Jesus never claimed to be God because they have a different translation of the Bible and they've perverted the word of God. So they make claims, but you know, that's not true. And, and Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, and Mormons They don't believe that Jesus is the uncreated God either. But what did we just read in John 1? In the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, listen, Jesus, you know, Jesus is fully God. Jesus claimed to be God, and in fact, he was accused of blasphemy against the Jewish people, you know? He, he told people, they're like, who are you? And, you know, he says, I am. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. I am is the name of Yahweh, okay? And he's claiming that. And he's saying, before Abraham was. And then, of course, the Jewish people knew this was blasphemy because they picked up stones and they tried to kill him. But, of course, he just managed to slip away, okay? And God the Father declares Jesus God. Uh, you don't have to look this up. You might want to just write down the reference, Hebrews 1.8. And it says this, but of the Son, he says, so he's speaking of the Son, he's speaking of Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Okay, so God is declaring Jesus fully God. And the Bible clearly states that Jesus is God. In fact, just in our verse today, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us, okay? That's what it means. And Jesus shares many of the same attributes of God. In fact, he actually shares all of them in his divine nature. And in his human nature, he doesn't have all of them, okay? We'll get into that in a little bit. And the most important miraculous thing about Jesus, I would say, is he was fully human, and yet he never did one thing. What's that? He never sinned, right? In fact, that's how Jesus is able to take our sin upon himself and to forgive sin. So Jesus was fully God. Well, then there's another group of people that say, okay, I I get that Jesus was fully God, but how could he be fully God and fully human? He he wasn't fully human, wasn't he? Well, yes, he was. You see, Jesus, first of all, had a human name. Jesus, you know, today, you know, unless you go to maybe Hispanic countries, you know, where there's a lot of Jesuses, You know, we don't have too many people around here named Jesus. I mean, do you know someone who's named Jesus other than our Jesus? No, but that was a common name, okay? It actually means Yahweh, who's God, Yahweh saves. Okay, Jesus had a genealogy. Um, You know, you can go read in Matthew and in Luke, you can see the genealogy. He was born as a baby. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. What does that mean? Somebody had to change his diaper, okay? You know, he was Jewish. He grew up. He went to the temple. He hungered. He thirsted, And he died a gruesome physical death. Jesus was fully human. But then some people say, well, then how could God become a man? How is that possible? 
I, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, because this is an incredible passage that gives some insight into how God could become a man. Philippians 2, verse 5, it says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Okay, so so this is actually an exhortation to believers, saying, people, we got to think this way. Keep this in mind, because this is how Jesus was. And then here we go in verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, okay, he was in the form of God. This is, he's formed just like God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or a thing to be held onto. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This talks about how Jesus emptied himself of the prerogatives and the glory that he had as God. You know, when it says he made himself nothing, it wasn't like all of a sudden, oh, he's, you know, you know Jesus, you know, uh, you know, Jesus minus, he's, no, he's still fully Jesus. But what it means when he says he made himself nothing, it says he set aside his rights. And Jesus deliberately limited himself. Okay, an example. How, one way, you know, God, a term we use for God is omnipresent, meaning that God is present everywhere. Okay, Jesus set that aside for a time, and he had to walk and travel. You know, he couldn't call an Uber and get picked up and brought to another location. They had to travel. Travel was dangerous in those days. Travel was tired. There were thieves and people who would try to rob people along the road, i.e. the story of the Good Samaritan when he was beat. Okay, travel was dangerous. There were wild animals. There were unscrupulous people. Okay, he set aside that prerogative of being present everywhere And he humbled himself to become a servant, okay? And that was something he set aside, and he deliberately limited himself. And yet what's interesting is how did Jesus live while he was on the earth? I think he lived through the power of the Holy Spirit. And isn't that much the way that you and I are supposed to live today? We can live kind of in the same power that Jesus lived through the power of the Holy Spirit, working through us, overcoming some of the limitations that we have. I think that's huge right there. So we've talked about God a lot. Remember, we're talking about God with us, okay? I spent most of the time of the message talking about God because that's the significant part, okay? Now, We want to talk about with, okay? 
When we say that God is with someone or a people, that means that God is guiding and helping them to fulfill their calling. Do you realize that God is with you? If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, God is with you. And he is helping you to fulfill whatever it is he is calling you to do. And that happens through the power of his Holy Spirit working in your life. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure we all have times in our life where we've seen evidences of that. You know, sometimes it's in the worst of circumstances we see God coming through in an amazing way. Sometimes it's just through a what seems to us to be a chance encounter, and yet we see that God is at work through that what seems to us is a chance encounter. It's something that he's fully orchestrated, you know? Some of you have gone on the mission field. You know what I'm talking about in those situations, right, John? Of course, you see things where God just works things out, and you're like, this doesn't make sense. But it does make sense because God is working this out, okay? So God is with us, and you know, we're using this word incarnation. Well, you know what? The incarnation should be a very great comfort to us. Well, how could that be? There's two ways. One is that Jesus is like us. Remember I said he became fully human? Well, he's like us. In order for Jesus to save us, he first had to become like us so that he could take our punishment that we deserve for sin upon him. And then he's also acting as our great high priest. He is for us, he is like us, but also Jesus is unlike us too. And that's a good thing too, because if Jesus ever sinned even once, he would not be qualified to be our sinless savior. He could not be the mediator between me and a holy God or between you and a holy God. That is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is not that let me clean myself up so that I can come into the presence of a holy God. Let me clean myself up so that I can come to church and people won't look down on me. Let me, no, it's not about let me. The gospel is look at what Jesus has done. Look at what he has done. God with us. That is such a miracle. If you're here today and you have not trusted in Jesus, I would invite you after the service, I want to sit down and talk with you and pray with you so that you can leave today knowing that you have been reconciled to God, that your sins are forgiven, and you can begin a new life filled with the presence of God in the Holy Spirit. That is available to you. I don't want anyone to leave today. If that's you, Please just, you know, come see me after the service, okay? So, God with, and now let's close by talking about us. John Stott, who is an um, English pastor who is now with the Lord, he just went to be with the Lord this uh, fall, I believe, he said this in his book, Basic Christianity, and he makes an interesting point on how people responded to Jesus while Jesus had his ministry on earth. And this is what he says. I'm going to read it. He says, if you read the Bible, 
you'll see that nobody who ever met Jesus Christ ever had a moderate reaction to him. There were only three reactions to Jesus. They either hated him and wanted to kill him, they were afraid of him and wanted to run away, or they were absolutely smitten with him and they tried to give their whole lives to him. Isn't that interesting? You know, however, I would say today our culture has sort of introduced a fourth response to Jesus. And you know what that is? Meh. Right? We're a culture of people that are not easily impressed by anything. Oh, yeah, if we see somebody doing some major trick on YouTube, we're like, wow, that's awesome, and it goes viral and stuff like that. But I think, quite frankly, as a culture, we have grown to be almost disinterested with Jesus. And yet, Jesus is God with us. I hope I have made that really clear by showing you the scriptures on that today. And, you know, I don't understand how people could have a reaction of, so what, to Jesus. In fact, if they have that reaction, I would venture to guess that they don't really understand who Jesus really is. Because if somebody really understands who Jesus is, I, I agree with John Stott. You either want to kill him, or you're afraid of him and you want to run away, or you'll be absolutely smitten with him and want to give your whole lives to him. That, I think, is the only three sane responses to God with us. So God with us is the miracle of Christmas. So let me close with this. What's your response to God with us? How do you respond to that? Does your foundation, your tree stand, does that accommodate a God-sized faith? What are you trying to do on your own and in your own power that could work out better if you truly knew that God is with us? What is it? I'd get pretty excited about that. I think there's stuff that God is just waiting to do, that he's waiting for somebody to just say, now I get it, Emmanuel, God with us. God, now I see you've been putting these pieces together in my life, and now it's time to step out in faith and to do something. Well, if that's you, this is what I want you to do. In fact, for everyone, every day this week, I want you to remember this phrase that we've been talking about. God with us. Could we say it together? God with us. You see, we can have a greater faith when we truly understand the full meaning of the incarnation. That's God with us. So listen, I would want to encourage and challenge you this week as we get ready to celebrate Christmas next weekend. I would like to encourage you to really Try to wrap what you can around this. See if it will expand your faith and see what God might be calling you to do as a response to this. And I believe that if we will let our foundation grow and expand, God will fill it with stuff that requires a God-sized, bigger 
faith to do it. What do you think? You willing to try?